is happening now? We're about to send you back to the Remuta! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Back to the Reviewture, the show in which we take a classic film that one of us or both of us might not have seen, and we take a look at it now. I'm Drew Bridger. I'm Amber Inch. And this week we have moved a little bit more into John Hughes' territory. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're relatively up on your John Hughes movies. Yeah, all the other ones. John Hughes, safe to say, staple 80s movies director right yeah so it came as a little bit of a surprise to me that you hadn't seen planes trains and automobiles which is what we are looking at today now if you told me that you hadn't seen the breakfast club or you hadn't seen ferris bueller's day off or anything like that i probably would have been way more shocked because those Mm. are absolutely fantastic films planes trains and automobiles Maybe not quite one of the films that John Hughes is most immediately famous for. But it is still a great, great comedy movie. I had heard a lot of people talk about it, though. So it's been it is like still a really popular film. Highly referenced. um, Yeah. I just think that I didn't know that it was John Hughes at all. Yes. No, it's so it, maybe that's not as obvious. I no, think. it does surprise some people that it's a John Hughes mm. movie because it's one of his only uh fifteen rated films. Oh, because he swore. Yeah, yeah. So there's more swearing going on in this film. Only than one there bit are. though, really. Yeah, it's only really that one bit that sets it apart. But as far as John Hughes movies goes, this is probably the one with the highest maturity rating out of them so it's not immediately to some people like oh this is john hughes quality film Mm. but today we are looking at planes trains and automobiles it is a john hughes movie and you kind of get that sense maybe not straight away but a little bit into the film it's still got that kind of john hughes quality to it though Mm. and for me Personally, we're going to find out what you thought in a moment. But for me personally, this is among one of the funniest John Hughes movies that he's made, if not arguably, possibly one of the funniest films of the 80s. But why don't you start us off with telling us what you thought the film was going to be before having seen it? Because you had no idea what this film was. So what did you think it was going to be? Well, so, the title of the film doesn't really give anything away, apart no. from the fact that there's a plane, a train, and some cars or something. So automobiles of some description, made... you are correct. <laughs> yeah, so I just made up. That is a correct assumption. There are automobiles involved at some point, yeah. as well as trains, and one would believe planes. Yeah, exactly. So, I kind... I mean, I kind of had it right almost, I suppose. Okay. So I thought... That he had to go somewhere for his job that maybe he'd never been before. Something happened to either one of the things or ways that he was getting there. And, you know, either he got lost or he missed some form of transport and then had to take something else to get there. So 
needs to get cross-country for his job, uses a lot of different transport because he had to forge a new plan because he missed something that he was supposed to be on, got lost, and then had to find more ways of getting to the place that he was getting to. So it wasn't yeah, too no, you're far not, you're, off. Do you know what? You're not far off of that. Yeah. Obviously, because this is John Hughes' movie, which you might not have known straight away, that probably would have clued you in a little bit to the fact that the film actually revolves a little bit more around like the family aspect of it i suppose it's it's pretty typical of john hughes movies with the sentimental streak that yeah, he has yeah yeah it's very john hughes in the fact that there is a story happening in another way but you're not sure of it yet so like everybody's got something that they're going through or everybody's got something that they're keeping exactly and you don't know until you obviously find out that's a that's a real breakfast club thing isn't it it is it is and i think it's that kind of sentiment that he sets up in his other films like the breakfast club where everyone has something mm. that's that's going on yeah and you don't that, know yeah that you realize yeah. a lot of his films kind of do revolve around the sentimental family dynamic mm. like he always has to have kind of something happening in the background the whole time particularly yeah. i think it's evident in ferris bueller's day off with his friend cameron like he's mm-hmm. dealing with stuff mm-hmm. and it's evident in uncle buck yeah, where yeah. you know the family are going through things, and the the oldest daughter's having like the tough time, but yeah. she just needs to like lighten up. Now, I would probably say that actually, uh, Ferris Bueller for mm-hmm. me is my favorite John Hughes movie. I would go so far as to say that Ferris Bueller is one of the few films I can say is legitimately a perfect movie. Okay. I know that's a tough call sometimes, like what defines a perfect movie for people. Yeah. But if you wanted an immediate example of what a perfect movie might be, Ferris Bueller's Day Off mm-hmm. is yeah, one of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. fact, they should have called it Ferris, Ferris Bueller's, Bueller's Day, Day On because he, so he was so on that, that day. day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, separate joke. But following from Ferris Bueller, I would actually say that Uncle Buck is another really, really great comedy film from John Hughes that has all of the staple John Hughes moments in it. And connecting that to the film we're looking at today, John John Candy, Candy. who is absolutely brilliant Mm. in this film in particular, but pretty much everything that John Candy does, I think, kind of turns to gold a little bit. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good in, well, both of those, actually. But yeah, this one he was good in. I enjoyed his performance in this. (laughs) (laughs) It pleased me. It pleased me a lot. What were your initial thoughts on the film, like, as it started? Well, as it started, I immediately hated Steve Martin's character, which is fine, because I kind of always hate his characters. (laughs) I don't really think that he's... I don't know, he doesn't do a lot of good, pe- nice people, does he? He's he's always this guy that's got some kind of attitude about something and likes to rant and cause a scene and I, argue about something. Uh, always got some kind of a problem, he yeah, does. Yeah, I'm, do you know what? I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate and come up with an example to the contrary and I'm not 
immediately coming up with anything, which is a little bit distressing. Mm. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's a fair argument to make. Yeah, um, so I don't really like his well, character. Well, The Jerk. I know the, the, the title is ironic, but in The Jerk, he plays a guy who's so simple that he doesn't actually <laughs> know that what he's doing is offending people or is considered stupid or is, you know, getting okay. into... Well, so, you know... He's still doing it, though. Ignorance is bliss <laughs> in that instance, but, yeah, he is still doing it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think you're immediately meant to like Steve Martin's no, I don't character think so in this. But I think that's kind of the... Again, it, it goes to the John Hughes aspect of turning it around. And it, the sentimental streak comes from the fact that John Candy, through this whole film, is a big, annoying yeah, oath that puts mouth. his foot in it all the time. and. Mm. And actually, Steve Martin ends up warming to him. And, and it's because he warms him <laughs> that you end up liking him. He was being nice. Yeah. I mean, he was getting things wrong a little bit. And some things happened that were sometimes out of his control. Sometimes totally in his control, like going the wrong way down a freeway. <laughs> but there was a lot of things that were out of his control. And he was just trying to be nice. There was, you know, he wouldn't have got a hotel room in the first place right at the start if... John Candy hadn't have been there to help him. And he no. Realized, you know, so he was he, he wasn't doing horrible stuff. <laughs> no, exactly. That's, he was that's, a little bit annoying. I would imagine that in that situation, I'd probably be a little bit annoyed by him as well. But I mean, it probably he be, meant well, you know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's probably quite ironic coming from me to say that, but I don't think he was that annoying. <laughs> but that's probably because it's me that's saying that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if yeah, you I don't imagine find... both of you together in that same room would have been a little bit much. <laughs> it's like if you say if you're saying that about that person, like that <laughs> kind of clues you in that maybe you are that person. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> it's like when you come up to a poker table. If you can't immediately spot the sucker at the table, it's you. Yeah. So if you don't find that guy annoying, it's because he's you. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think the fact that um, John Candy, if if memory serves, um, I believe he's Canadian. So in this film, he's kind of playing a little bit to his Canadian oh, right. side and yeah. being like overly, overly friendly, overly helpful, overly sharing, yeah. which um, which I really like. Actually, <laughs> I really like that if they'd said in the film, oh, I'm Canadian, it all would have made sense. Yeah. But the fact that he never once mentions that he might be Canadian, everyone just assumes that he's weird. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, but if he'd said, oh, okay, no, it's because I'm Canadian, mm. everyone would have gone, oh, that explains it. Yeah. That explains it. So what were your uh, general thoughts from the outset? Of the film. Okay. I was... Obviously, as it got going, I was just flabbergasted at how many bad things had happened to the same one person. And um, I just couldn't believe how many things went wrong for him. And it was, like, unusually bad things. Like, what are the odds that it's going to be snowing so bad that the plane has to land and then the train breaks down as well? That's, I mean, that's bad luck, isn't it? I mean, okay, so let me put this to you. Is it bad luck or... Is the biggest character in this film karma? Are bad things happening 
to this person because of the kind of person that he is. Yeah, but that also not... happened to John Candy as well, and he's not a bad person. Yeah, but John Candy, he's more of an accessory of chance yeah. in this film. He's going out of his way to help someone that he felt at the start he had wronged. So all the, the only coincidence, really, yeah. at the start is that they're getting on the same flight and had to get into a taxi in the yeah. same area. Yeah. Right? So that's really kind of the coincidence at the start. But everything after that point, mm. he goes out of his way to help him and ends up in the same situation as, as, as he yeah, is. Yeah, so, actually. So are these bad things happening to Steve Martin because he's a bad person yeah. and he's trying to help him and the more he decides to not to, to push away yeah, his, to help, have his help yeah. the more bad things happen yeah possibly and it's only when he actually really starts accepting his help that they actually manage to get places well also you know burning car and wrong way down a freeway well, yeah, but who could have really seen that coming? I mean, you know. Well, no. I mean, the people that were shouting on the other side of the road for 10 minutes, you would go in the wrong way, you're going to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they saw it coming, but apart from that. Okay, now, all right, all right. Now, in all seriousness, I do honestly think that that might be possibly one of the funniest scenes I know, scenes you laughed a lot entire... in this film, didn't you? <laughs> it's a great film. I think the comedy in this film... It's not so much slapstick comedy that a lot of people would easily go for in a film. No, like it's this, like that fast thing. Like, we know that they've switched their cards by accident, but they don't right. know yet. And you're like, oh. And it's that thing where because you know and they don't, you get annoyed. And you're like, oh, just give them the card. Just realise. <laughs> you know, that thing. Exactly. But I still think that that might be, I mean, it's it's been referenced in so many things that one particular scene driving down the wrong way of the yeah, highway has, and going actually. through the two trucks and he see turns and sees him dressed as it's the devil. It's him dressed as a devil. Yeah, that's the thing that I've seen in quite a lot of other things. I didn't I didn't even realize when I was watching that. Oh, that's what that's from. I yeah. just kind of thought now that that's something that I recognize from a few other things now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's funny though. But, but it is it is a great great moment it's one of these kind of moments from comedy films that you just go everything in that <laughs> moment was so out of the ordinary compared to what the rest of the film was but yeah. you know yeah. that it fits so <laughs> great in that moment it's just perfect but yeah and then as soon as everything calms down and they go oh we managed to get out of that. That's fine. We're both still alive. It's all all right. And then the car sets fire. Yeah. And you just go, oh, no. I know. That's what I mean. It's one thing after another. Yeah. Oh, it's a nightmare. The whole thing set me on edge. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen this time? Don't get on the train. I genuinely thought when he got on the metro in Chicago close to his home that he, that, that was going to break down as well. I genuinely thought. I was just expecting it to go around the corner and then it just broke down. Yeah. And he had to get out and then say, where are you going? And then he said, oh, I'm not going anywhere. I really thought that something bad, something else bad was going to happen. Yeah. What other things did you notice along the way? I I did realise quite early on that his that he was kind of hiding things from Steve Martin. I can't remember his name. Nigel. Yeah. Neil. 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 <laughs> oh, somebody just called him. No, someone called him Nick. Back soon, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That he that there was a lot more to him that he wasn't kind of letting on, and 
I said that I thought his wife had died. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he got the picture out and put it by his bed, because I thought they can't be divorced because he's still got a wedding ring on. And yeah. I thought it was strange that he was carrying a picture around in a frame like that, yeah. just in a hotel room. Yeah. It's like he was setting himself up in hotel yeah. rooms. It's in these like a familiar way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's these little clues. And this is what I really like about John Hughes's writing. Sometimes is that there are small clues mm. that he leaves every so often, like. Why is this guy travelling with such a big case? Yeah, why like, hasn't the other guy going? asked what's in it? Exactly. He's been, with him for a hot, he's been with him for three days and he hasn't even said to him once, Exactly. that looks really heavy, what are you carrying in that? And it's like he has a photo of his wife but still his wedding ring That's what on. I'm saying, yeah. So it's like, it's like these little things where if you go from clue to clue, you eventually kind of deduce exactly what's going on yeah. with him and you kind of piece it together almost a little bit i mean obviously you picked up quite early on because you're smart you know you're a smart you're, well, a, sh- you're a smart that, guy i thought that his wife was in that box but you kept saying she wasn't <laughs> i didn't think right. it was because he okay. mur- i didn't think it was because he murdered her i just thought that he was trying to get her somewhere and she was just in the box <laughs> i thought i meant it in a nice way i thought that you know, from... in Johnny Knoxville and Bad Grandpa, when he puts the wife in the back of the car <laughs> because he's taken her to a nice place that she said she wanted to be. That's what I thought. So it's gone from being plain strange and automobiles to weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, well, no, he's not going to take her out <laughs> of the box. His wife in the box. No, yeah, because he was doing something it's nice. Awesome. And, Steve, and Steve Martin's helping him carry the wife around in the box. Yeah, and I it mean... only gets revealed that it only gets revealed at the end of the film that he's been helping this dude carry around his dead wife in this case the whole time and he looks at him and right at the end of the film got your dead wife in this box that i've yeah, helped you carry all laughing. across the country you're laughing now but he never actually revealed what was in that box so we don't know that it wasn't no 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 i mean obviously you're led to believe by the fact that he says i haven't been home in years that literally <laughs> Everything he owns, <laughs> he owns in that box. Oh, that's what you think. Oh, yeah. I he's mean, also, he's also <laughs> carrying a bag around. You know, there could also be stuff in that bag and the wife in a box. Just because he's got the wife in the box doesn't mean there isn't anything else in the box. <laughs> She's dead. She doesn't know. He's keeping the body toasty with all of his clothes. I wonder why it smells so bad. <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, he did say he was he was a bit stinky, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, he said his, his socks were pretty bad, but... No, I think it was because I had a dead body with him all the time. <laughs> I really, really want to unpack this sinister side of this John Hughes It wasn't movie. sinister. You're getting it's the not... wrong end of the stick. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say to you. I wasn't saying that he was... That he had killed her and he was carrying her around in a sinister psycho way. Hey, no I was one... saying that he You're was the person that suggested around. he might have killed her. No, you no, said... I no, I never thought right from the start her. of the film I said, is his wife in that box? And you went, he did not murder his wife. And that isn't <laughs> what I meant. I'm saying that she had some last wishes before, obviously, I found out that she died eight years ago. She had some last wishes that she wanted to be somewhere and buried somewhere and he had to carry it out for her. I mean, there is a high likelihood that you may well be on to something with this. I mean, we never actually get a look into what's in his, his what gigantic case. That's what I said. You, I mean, you're <laughs> led to believe that it that the contents of his case include clothes, uh, you know, the but bare essentials. So 
a whole lot of shower curtain rings. They're made out of plastic. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you know, he's got to sell quite a lot of them. <laughs> How many shower rings do you need for the average shower curtain? Like, what, 10, 20? And how many is he no, selling? 20? For the average shower curtain, you know? No. You've got to have quite a few. No, not that much. If he's selling them in a high enough quantity, he's going to need Five quite a lot of space. Max. Five or six max. All right, all right, all right. So, all right, let's make it around, let's make it around five for the average okay. shower curtain, all right? Yeah. And he says, he, he keeps saying, oh, yeah, I went to this company. I sold them all of their shower curtains. They owe me a favor. That's a whole company's worth yeah, of shower curtains. That's quite a lot of shower curtain rings. Yeah, and also, he kind of, I don't really know whether he... Um, ragged on his job a little bit when he was having a rant at him in the hotel room for no reason. But um, I think he kind of did. And he should be grateful for his job because every single time he had to go somewhere, he was like, oh, they owe me a favour because I sorted them out with shower curtain rings. Yeah. So he only got into right? the bus, the train, the hotel. The automobile. Oh, the automobile. <laughs> not, Sorry, you, you left it off the list and it was really going to irritate not me otherwise. the plane. I didn't say the plane. <laughs> and... All because he owed, all because of his job. So you really can't be exactly. annoyed about that. See what we if if we've learnt nothing from this film, we've learnt above all it pays to be in the shower curtain ring business. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. And to ha- and carry a case could, full of them. I think after he, I mean this is just this is going to be planes, trains, and automobiles too. I love that you've already written the sequel. <laughs> What's you've he already written. The se- John Hughes isn't even with us anymore, but you've written the sequel. No, well, I can take over. Okay, great. What's it? What is his name again? Steve Martin's character again? It's ne- uh, uh, Neil. Neil. Yeah. Okay, Neil. Neil. What's John? Ca- what's John? Del. He's got <laughs> Neil and Dell. <laughs> right. So Neil discovers. It's okay. You didn't need to know their names. It's fine. <laughs> no, but I kept saying Steve Martin all the time. It was annoying me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil. So now I want to call him Nell and Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Mel and Deal. Okay, we'll go. We'll go along with that because of, because we still know who you're talking about, so it's absolutely fine. I'll try. I'll try. Okay. Okay. Neil. Yeah. And De- so Neil realised when he was in the train station, sure. might have been bus station. I think it was train station. When he was watching Dell sell all of those shower curtain rings, sure, to the girls, women, whatever, as plastic earrings, so then he realised his potential for selling and marketing, and gave him a job in his own marketing company because a guy that can go around a bus station on Thanksgiving and sell shower curtain rings to people as earrings that that can only be good. I mean, so in a marketing com- in marketing and advertising, that is the exact type of attitude that you need. It would be definitely the next step, so I think. I think there is a line that kind of alludes know. to that because he does say to him when they're sat in the diner, I think, he says to him, you know, yeah, I, I work in, I, I yeah, work I work in, in marketing, marketing yeah. um, and I haven't seen someone sell like that. Mm. Which is, you know, it, it's a testament to who he is as a person as well. Adele, who Dell is as a, char- yeah. as a character, as a person. Yeah, because he could talk the mouth of a horse. Right. Talk, talk the mouth of a horse. Talk the mouth... Talk the mouth of a horse. Talk the back legs of a donkey. Yes. 
but he can also talk the mouth off of a horse. <laughs> wow. Wow. Let's unpack that for a second. Because <laughs> that was the one mode of transport that they didn't get round to in this yeah, that, Yeah, no, they didn't. I th- but then again, I think having planes, trains, horses and automobiles would have been a little bit too long a title. Horsemobiles. Horsemobiles. <laughs> I think we have glossed over one very very important thing that happened really early on in the film and that is the surprise appearance of one kevin bacon yeah i was gonna leave that right till the end dressed well i feel i know you were. it was gonna be a nice surprise because i was this that was gonna be my new rating for this week my rating for the film was gonna be however many kevin bacons that i wanted to have See, and here I thought you were going to give the rating out of shower curtain rings. Oh, I didn't forget. Ah, see, there we go. I think, but I think as as nice a surprise as it would have been to <laughs> uh, anyway. to have to to have Kevin Bacon pop up at the end, I feel that it's so important that we can't gloss over it for the whole duration of this podcast until right at the very end okay, okay. i feel that it is important to talk about the early appearance of kevin of bacon a mute kevin bacon a completely mute kevin bacon because if he'd <laughs> had a line they would have needed to pay him a far far greater he wasn't per really DM. that famous then though it's i mean we're talking 1987 another good film to come out in the year of uh, 1987. Uh, last week we did I don't Predator. think that he was really that famous then, though. He was definitely Kevin very... Bacon was... Kevin Bacon had when done was Footloose? Footloose by when that was point. That? Uh, do you know the year escapes me for Footloose? But it was definitely earlier than 1987. So, okay. um, mainly because... How weird, though. Why was he put in that? That is really bizarre. I think... I just think that John Hughes wanted to have Kevin Bacon appear in some capacity at some point during the film and just not say anything. Maybe. I don't know. It was 1984, I, so he so it was three years before. When he, he yeah. did Footloose three years before. Yeah. And Maybe Footloose he was just in the really area what? doing something and they Maybe. said, oh, do you want to just... I'll just do this. We need someone to play a yuppie. There's got to be a story there. There has <laughs> a, to be a story there. A New York yuppie. A New York yuppie. Yeah. Uh, how can you say that Kevin Bacon is not the yuppiest looking <laughs> person? His hair was fantastic. His star, <laughs> his, the star of the show was Kevin Bacon. I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> right from the moment the film started. When I saw him, I was like, look at his hair. His hair. I mean, and then it was halfway through. Kevin Bacon's hair. I couldn't stop thinking about it. I mean, surely Kevin Bacon's hair is the star in anything that Kevin Bacon is in, though. Yeah. Well, definitely in this. Yeah, I mean, definitely in this. (laughs) Definitely. But that whole moment of having Kevin Bacon in there but saying absolutely nothing was just kind of mind-blowing. And I think it only gets more mind-blowing the, the longer it goes on now. Like, looking back on it, it's Kevin Bacon just appearing for a sum total of one minute and not saying anything. That would be like having... That would be like today's standards. Having... I don't know. I was... Do you know what? 
you know what I was gonna say? I was gonna say it would be like having Brad Pitt turn up in a film and not say absolutely anything just for the sake of having Brad Pitt in your movie. It's unheard of. And then I remembered that they did that in Deadpool 2. Yeah. <laughs> and so that blows my argument completely out of the water. Also, so, I think you're, yeah. you're giving Kevin Bacon a little bit too much gravitas in 1987. It wasn't really the same as what it would be now or having Brad Pitt now. It's not really the same. I mean, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Look, I if suppose. you think of somebody that's been around for a couple of years and then say that they got put in, I, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like you're giving him too I feel like you're giving his fame too much weight. All right, so maybe Tom Holland then. It maybe. would be like having maybe, Tom Holland yeah. and turn up in a film for one whole yeah. minute and not say anything. People, just... Just go, people would kind of go, oh, was that Tom Holland? Nah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be like, oh, that's... that's is that Spider-Man? Yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, it is. And he's not saying anything right now <laughs> because we can't pay him for a lie. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> all right. I mean, we're going to get massively detracted if we go down this road, but I don't know what your problem with Tom Holland is. Mm, I don't really know either. So what other observations did you have? Oh, well, I did think actually that for a John Hughes film, the music was very lacking. Really? For me, I thought I think that the thing that makes his films his films are his choice of music. Like Ferris Blues Day, I've had amazing music the the whole way through. That is Breakfast true. Club did have good music as well. That they is always, also They always true. had you know a bit. Uncle Buck, I don't really remember, but they kind there was music. It was still quite. Uncle Buck did have some good music moments yeah, in there, yeah. yes. Yeah, 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 you are well, right. They were, um, were they not playing, like, making food together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, was yeah, something yeah. happening together and there yeah, was, yeah. you know, and it was quite, but this one wasn't very, I didn't think it was very good. It was probably the moment in Uncle Buck where he's, um, he's scooping the giant pancake. Yes, yeah, to yeah, flip yeah, it over. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so in this one, I didn't think that was No, bad. yeah. But maybe that he just right. felt like he didn't fit the tone of the film or something, I don't know. There were there were some good moments, like when he's driving along and he's singing along oh, yeah, for Ray Charles. Oh, yeah, that one bit was good, yeah. 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 But then that got him in a lot of bad trouble, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the great thing is, the comedy from that moment for me comes from the fact that that is something that a lot of people do and it didn't like nothing really bad kind of came from that well i mean it it, it did like he kind of swerved a little bit but i mean yeah, the comedy yeah, from yeah. that kind of mainly comes from the fact that he's doing something that everyone does yeah. when they're alone in their car is like you know even just from like drumming on the steering mm. wheel mm. to but he takes he because of the character that he is he's got to take <laughs> it a step further like the whole dashboard is a keyboard you know like he's got to lean across he leans right across to the passenger seat <laughs> to hit the high notes it's like the dedication to the bit <laughs> that no one's watching that no one's watching from inside the car mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, I've got to say, like, I know that you don't like him as a character, but I do have to say that Steve Martin, as an actor in this film, does really, really well. Yeah. Like, he, he 
I because I kind of in a way feel not for his character but for Steve Martin as a person mm. because keeping a straight face through a lot of yeah. this filming <laughs> must have been so difficult. Yeah, maybe he's just the type of person that doesn't find other people funny. I don't know. I don't know. I would argue. I would argue because I would say that Steve Martin is the kind of person that likes to laugh at a lot of things. And I feel like him and John Candy together probably could have ad-libbed quite a lot of this. Yeah. I reckon if John Hughes hadn't written out such a rigid script Mm. like he usually does because the thing about john hughes films is that script is quite important you know it's the words people say in particular scenes that give you insight to their character give you that gravitas Mm -hmm. and you know you can tell like in the diner scene yeah like when he when he said oh i haven't been home i haven't been home for years john hughes kind of would have said to him like, you know, I've, I really kind of need you to hit this line. Like, not too much, but just kind of over-accentuate. Don't have it as a throwaway line. Like, oh, I haven't been home in years. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, I haven't been home in years. Yeah. You know? And then kind of retract on yourself. For John Hughes movies in particular, script is quite important. Mm. But I do feel that if he hadn't done such a rigid, like, oh, you need to hit this beat, hit this word, hit, you know, him and John Candy probably would have gone through this film <laughs> just doing, doing shit to make each other laugh. Oh, I, <laughs> I find it really annoying. Do you? Really? <laughs> yeah. What, Steve Martin yes, in general? Yes, yes, I find him really annoying. I'm sure he'd be really pleased to hear that. Probably. <laughs> Can't bother me. <laughs> You should see him play the banjo, though. I mean, Steve Martin playing the banjo, that's... You that know, sounds even worse. That's comedy genius. <laughs> Steve... Do you know, Steve Steve Martin was probably one of the greatest stand-up comedians of the 80s, along with maybe, you know, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, um, Bill Hicks. These, these kind of legends of comedy... Of the 80s, and mm. he had a lot going on in, in the 80s and early 90s, I have to say. Steve Martin did, yeah, he quite, did a lot a lot, quite a lot of films. And, you know, they are films that a lot of people will look back on now and go, yeah, that's quality Yeah, a lot of people comedy. like him, and a lot of people think that he's really good and hold him in high esteem, but, you know, I think it's quite annoying. <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it quite annoying. I do. I mean, I, 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 I think it's his face. I think it's his face that annoys <laughs> me a little bit. Oh, because that makes it so much annoys, better. Well, his face just annoys me a little bit, and then after that, I can't get past <laughs> it. I'm like, oh, that's annoying. I think I would have been. I yeah. I. Oh. You are a harsh critic. No, I'm not. You are a hot. Well, for Steve Martin, you're a harsh critic. <laughs> 
It would have wound me up quite a lot if I had been the person behind the counter at that car place that he would have had a go at. Now, I understand that he had a terrible time and it wasn't going very well for him and he just wanted to go home Thanksgiving and, you know, John Candy was winding him up and all this, whatever. But he didn't have to swear at her, did he? He didn't have to go on like that. I would have gone mad. I mean, she was quite annoying as well, actually, but... <laughs> but yeah, I would just, you know, for the only person that could maybe help him get a car, which is the one thing that he needed, he wasn't being very polite. Wasn't no, going, it wasn't no, going no, no, the right no. way around it. The first appearance of what we would commonly refer to this day as a Karen. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, the well, first... he's the Karen. Yeah, he, no, yeah, he <laughs> is the Karen. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, the first the first appearance of what we would refer to she's as a still, Karen she's type She still of was a bit annoying, though. She didn't even serve him straight away because she was talking about some kind of cooking thing or something, I don't know. Yeah, they were talking about, she was talking about preparing the Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Well, actually, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't Thanksgiving that day yet. No. No, 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 no. She looked no. like Ursula from um, Little Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, she, like, painted her eyebrows to the top to her, like, almost on her hairline. That's a comparison I'm I'm finding hard to argue back on. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty accurate comparison. You also, know. it's a bit of a shame that he had to do all of that stuff in the 80s. Because if it was now, he would have been fine. It would have been about five minutes okay. and that was it. And that was the other thing that I was going to uh, that I was going to bring up. Like, so much of this film is really era indicative. You, yeah. can, you can tell so much about this film happened purely because of the lack of access to because a mobile phone. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like, like, I even mean, nowadays, if, somebody, if somebody's wife hadn't heard from their partner in two or three days, she, that, like, the police would have been phoned ages ago. Right. And he would have been found and brought home in like a police escort because they had no idea where he was or something. But then they, she was just kind of lying in bed like, oh, it's been a couple of days. I might give it a week and then try and find him because... You know, probably doesn't have any change. Can't can't phone, and it's like she wasn't even that. She wasn't that bothered. I think the reason why she was a bit tearful at the end and a bit emotional was because she thought that he just wasn't going to make it home for Thanksgiving. Not that he would died or something. Yeah, she exactly. was just kind of like, oh, he is here after him working away too much. We do actually see him. For, I really for this don't holiday, want all you know? of this turkey to go to waste. Yeah, yeah. So that's why she was. You know, I was expecting her to go a little mad. I was expecting her to like do that slapping thing where she's like where have you been yeah exactly and why is this like, fat man doing my house yeah like slap him and then kiss him <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 why have you got a woman in a box in my living room <laughs> the woman's not in the box <laughs> you don't know that i don't know that i can't prove that his wife is not it's like in schrodinger's the box. cat if you open <laughs> the box dell's wife it's either the wife isn't in there or not but Del's she, she could be alive or cat. dead in that box until you open the box you have to open the box to find out I mean, I'm pretty sure that after a few days, she's going to be dead. Like, you would have heard her probably knocking about. She was already point. dead, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's been dead for eight years, I can tell you, years. because uh, if he I open up this. <laughs> if I open up this case, you'll see an eight year old corpse. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, the, what I find funny is that the, the last thing you hear, the last line that his wife has before uh, he next sees her is I'll, uh, I'll wait up for you, you know, till all of 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, whoa, yeah. Whoa. She really, really pushed the boat out there, didn't she? Dirty I'll wait up out. for you. I, oh, I'll wait up for you. And he was like, oh, that's 
nice. Waiting up till 10 o'clock. What? Yeah. <laughs> 10 o'clock, the good TV's only just getting started. Shouldn't be waiting up all night. Exactly. And then, so you obviously see him on the phone to her later on or the or you know the next day uh when he when he's calling her to say like you know we're gonna plans to change we need to do this mm. after that he doesn't get a phone call to her so she probably is just assuming like oh it's just taking his time getting here taking his sweet time and everything like that but i do agree that after the, like a couple of days <laughs> you would think I hope he hasn't been murdered and put in a case. Hope that rob... Yeah. Oh, put in a box. Yeah. Hope that robber that broke into his motel room didn't do anything bad. Yeah, which is hard. That, that is horrible. Not, I hated that. That is not that touched upon me. again for that the rest of the me. film. The fact he was that right there. The, the fact so that he scary. broke in using a knife. Yeah. You know, it would have been far less sinister if Ugh. he used, like, a... a card to like get the lock open or something it was an old style motel "Mm." though it looked like an old rubbish bathroom lock that you would get for your house not for an actual room in a public place exactly (laughs) but hey that's the 80s beggars can't be choosers you know after not having anywhere to stay exactly that's what's gonna happen exactly exactly so the fact that a lot of the problems that they encounter the fact that it could have been solved with a phone call or, you know, someone at the other end of the line mm-hmm. trying to sort something out. You yeah. Know? Hey, kids, we've got to hire a car and go and pick your dad up. It's going to be about a 10-hour <laughs> round trip, like five hours there, five hours back. But guess what? He's, he's stuck in a, for Thanksgiving. He's stuck in a different city and we've got to get him home for Thanksgiving. It would have been a very, very different film. Women didn't do that in the 80s, you've got to remember. Well, no, apparently not. <laughs> Women if just, this film women is to just be waited believed, at home for their husbands, like, yeah. good, like good little girls. Well, if this film, if anything in this film is to be believed, then yes, you, yeah. you are you are correct. But and also, she actually did wake up for him. She never actually went to sleep. There was pick. There was a, probably there was, why she's so sad at the end. <laughs> there was moments. I haven't slept for three days. <laughs> there was moments of her in her bed, but she was never asleep. Oh no, you do see her asleep once. I think she drifted off, but then I think you see her awake again oh, later. I think she, yeah, she kind yeah, of was yeah. asleep when he phoned the first time, but yeah. after that, she yeah. was oh, she was awake with worry, but not enough worry to find out Abington. Right? <laughs> exactly. What can a woman do? You know. But I mean, if this film had been made today, it it would have been over like that because mm. you know he would have he he would have found an app on his phone to get him the next Although knowing him, to... there would have been like no battery on his phone, no signal, then he would have lost his phone, his phone got run over by a car. <laughs> I mean, we're rewriting this film for the modern, the modern day, day audience yeah. now, aren't we? Yeah, the, the, the phone gets run over by a car, he drops it. <laughs> it's an iPhone, so he drops it and the screen immediately shatters. Oh, what so, he can't, so he can't <laughs> use it without cutting his thumb. By the time he gets home, he's the end of his thumb is like a tiny little nub because he's just been trying to scroll on the scroll on the iPhone that's just shattered glass and it's just like shaving away his yeah, thumb like John a cheese Candy grater. Would just come along with a phone in his pocket and go, oh, you can have, you can just have mine. Yeah, that's true. 
nowadays, if somebody said, I'll give you this amount of money and a Casio for a hotel room, they'd be like, yeah, Casio, I could sell that. <laughs> it's retro. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do, are there any hotel chains that you know of, or not even a chain, are there any hotels <laughs> that you know of that would legitimately take a watch as a form of collateral <laughs> payment? No, but I think if I worked in a crummy motel for not a lot of money per hour and they just said to me, here's some money, and I thought, if they give me that watch, he's going to shut up and go to a room. Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah? <laughs> You're a pushover. <laughs> yeah, I am. You're a real pushover. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer to just accept... Even if it's Steve Martin. Especially if it's Steve Martin. Get him out of my hair immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... if you give me that coat as well, I might think about it. Wow, do you know if I'd known that you had this much distaste for Steve Martin, I probably wouldn't have shown you this film. <laughs> <laughs> I would have I would have reconsidered what film we watched this time. I didn't mind him in the film too much. Okay, all right. I think we do need to rattle off very quickly a uh, a list of other people that appear in this film out of nowhere oh, yeah. that, is, uh, that are either John Hughes alumni or have gone on to other things so they're probably far more than what i recognized but i reckon but we recognized a few so starting well kevin bacon obviously goes without saying yuppie yeah. y- yuppiest of yuppies ferris bueller's dad yes ferris bueller's dad was the other guy yeah you're not gonna make the six yeah yeah and just take the eight Exactly, but you know that, well, he took the that, eight and how did that how did that work out? Why didn't for he him? find that? Why didn't he find that friend on the eight? I don't know. Because it was a allowed very in good first question. Class, that's why. It's a because he wasn't allowed into first class. Yeah. That's probably why his friend was flying first class. Yeah, and it's like that's the other thing that bugged me because you and I have taken some trips around the US. Mm. We have flown uh, domestically. How long can the flight legitimately <laughs> be yeah. that you need to sit in first? Like the the flight is gonna be maximum why like three hours. How is it? Why is it even that big? How does that even have a first class? But mm. there we go. Anyway, so we've yeah, got so Kevin Bacon. We've Kevin got Ferris Bueller's dad. Ferris Bueller's dads. We've also got the receptionist and PA for Ferris Bueller's headmaster. We do. Who was the woman that looked like Ursula, the sea yeah. witch that got sworn at? Yeah. So we've obviously got recurring actors and actresses in John Hughes films. So he obviously... John Hughes obviously likes finding work for people that he's worked with. Yeah. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire's son. Yes. Is his son. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I don't recognise any other part of the family, yeah. though. And here's the thing. I didn't think... I So I thought that there was way, way longer between this film... And Mrs. Doubtfire, and I thought, no, no I think it's only there's no like way this kid can be. Almost the year of my birth. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that this kid can be this old in this film, like like this young in this film, and then be fourteen in uh, in Mrs. Doubtfire, mm. and they're only like seven years, like like however many years apart yeah. but i must have the dates completely wrong in my head for when mrs doubtfire came up because that maybe absolutely he just looked really young yeah maybe i mean but that absolutely undeniably is the son in mrs doubtfire oh, yeah, it is, yeah. and he has the same hair exact same hair <laughs> exact same like it's it's like his hair didn't even grow between the films <laughs> like it's that same <laughs> oh um 
the guy from Better Call Saul. Yes, so the guy the, from Better Call Saul. His his older brother. His older brother, yeah, the mental in one. What must have well, been? Well, he was in Breaking Bad, wasn't he? Uh, no. no, no, he wasn't in Breaking Bad. No, he he only appears, I believe, okay. in Better Call Saul. He's done a lot of different things, though. He has done a lot, but this has got to I've be one of his earliest yeah, appearances. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's not. He's barely recognisable. For some reason, as soon as I saw him, it just kind of hit me. It like took me a minute. His, it, his mouth was very different, but his eyes and his nose made me rec- like made me recognise him. I think his voice Absolutely. a little bit as well. Absolutely. And then there was one other, the taxi oh, driver. Oh, the taxi driver was the um, really old, cratchety, downstairs neighbour from Friends. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember his name, though. But yeah, he was... Um, yeah, bar, yeah, yeah. Bar Buns. Bar <laughs> Buns? Bar Buns? Yeah, so that that's that's definitely him. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a dark scene. You don't have a whole lot of light on him, but you do... He's got a very recognisable face though I think because he's like quite wrinkly and like his nose is huge as well yeah yeah <laughs> and he's another one of these people that kind of appears in things and you go like oh, oh that like, guy yeah, yeah yeah like he almost definitely had a walk on role in something like Seinfeld as well or something oh, okay. yeah, something like that um but yeah so you know quite a few people do kind of just turn up in this film, you're like, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that person. But then he, well, nobody would have known who that taxi driver was then. Yeah. No, exactly. Because exactly. he hadn't been in Friends yet. And also, embarrassingly, I do have to hold my hand up. There is a little bit of an anecdote uh, behind this film. I I got into a, not a huge argument, but a relatively heated argument uh, o- over this film with someone um, because I was convinced that uh, Steve Martin's wife in this movie was played by Andy McDowell. <laughs> oh wow, really not? Yeah. No, was... I, I had I I was I believed so strongly that it was Andy McDowell. Was this also before the internet? It wasn't before the internet. Should we just no. looked it up very quickly without well, having that Well, we did. Well, I think we did, but I didn't think we, we had anything immediately to hand that would have answered it for it. I was convinced it was Andy McDowell because she, uh, to me, she has a very color. similar... F- no, but she has a very <laughs> similar face. I don't know that I would have said that. But I, I, I did. I, I, I was convinced that it was Andy McDowell, and it. And looking back on it now, like rewatching it now... I was like, twenty-three-year-old no. me was a douche. Like, <laughs> of course, that's not freaking Andy McDowell. Like, why? Why, you idiot? Why? I didn't recognise her as anyone. No, if they had put Andy McDowell in there, she probably would have done a better <laughs> job. But, probably. Yeah. But all in all, planes, trains, and automobiles. Would you agree that this is a classic? It is a classic. Yes. I don't want to... I was going to say it's a like, warming, feel-good film, but I don't know that it is, actually, because it left me feeling quite sad for him that he had to go back to somebody's house on Thanksgiving. and Like, OK, he was at a house with other people that he liked yeah. on Thanksgiving, which is nice. Yeah. But then it made me feel bad that he had to go to a house, watch this other guy's family when he didn't have any, and that's quite sad. 
Yeah. Because that just reminded it's him even more of something that he didn't have. Because then also, you know, he's a really nice guy and yeah. really helpful. Steve Martin was actually a really annoying, horrible person. Yeah. And he had a nice family that was all perfect and lovely. And, like, he didn't really realise what he had. And then John yeah. Candy doesn't have one, but realised what he had when he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, is, it, is, it is kind of bittersweet in the tone that it leaves you with. But then maybe this is going to turn him around and it might make him realise what he has exactly and so it'd be for all the good exactly they each kind of learn from each other in a way a little bit two out of two films for john hughes that end on a freeze frame of (laughs) john John candy's face as well though (laughs) he loves that face he does he does um but yeah you would agree classic Uh, i would agree that it was classic so where would you put it on the john hughes ometer um probably last really Wow! I know you really laughed really wow. at this film a lot. Okay, all right. Okay. I just had I had okay. moments where I was kind of a bit like, oh, yeah, or like shock value because I couldn't yeah. believe how much stuff was going wrong. But though I didn't, it didn't really make me laugh that much. No. All right. Okay. All right. And I spent more than half of the film just going, uh, uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> yeah. Bearing like, in mind that we should say this... that this is out of the John Hughes movies that you have seen. There are a couple that you that you haven't. Probably. Yeah. I I don't think that. Well, you might. Well, yeah. I suppose you might rate this lower than Sixteen Candles. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um. Yeah. There was like. Dirty socks in the sink. Yeah. He dried his face on big man pants. <laughs> he got out of the shower to Classic like a flooded... Classic <laughs> Out of the shower to like a flooded, horrible, dirty, towel wet bathroom. It's disgusting. Yep. John Candy was smoking in the bed when he came out and he spilt beer on it. And there was those little weird like things that looked like pork rinds, but I don't know what they were. Literally everywhere. <laughs> And then they went outside and the guy was chewing tobacco, spitting all over his hand and stuff. Ugh, was disgusting. <laughs> I mean, this is all classic comedy. So though. many disgusting things. Yeah. So, what, what rating... Pig's buttholes. Oh, all right. Just because it opened up on one scene <laughs> on a farm and there are some pigs there at were an unfortunate no, angle. There were no pig's faces, though. There wasn't even like, oh, this is mostly pig's face in the right way, but just a couple of buttholes. Oh, it was you... all buttholes and no face. Do you know what? This is this is exactly why they say don't work with animals. You can't train pigs to look down a camera. I mean, what are they going to do? They, they'll be looking right down the lens otherwise. Have that tool, they'll be breaking the fourth wall, left, <laughs> right and centre. They're not, they're not classically trained. Pigs. They don't know to ignore then? the camera. You just got to not let them know that the camera's there. You just got to make sure they're facing the other way, and then you roll so that they don't break the fourth wall. Stupid pigs. Uh, exactly. That's probably exactly what they were thinking on the day of shooting as well. What <laughs> rating are you going to give it, and what's what it going to be would, out of? What I would, well, like, what where I would put it in John Candy films, and that no John Hughes, John Hughes films, and that made it seem like it was going to be bad. But I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. Just. No. Out of the John Hughes films that I've seen, it probably wasn't my favourite. Yeah, no, I mean that's 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 fair to say. So that's fair to say. Out, it's always out of five. Yeah. So out of five, Kevin Bacon's because you ruined that spot. Out of five, you don't Kevin want to do it out Bacon, of shower shower no, curtain rings. No, I don't rings? want to do it out of shower curtain rings. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> this film is. Do you know what this film has clearly really wound you up, hasn't it? <laughs> You weren't even this wound up when we watched Predator. That was an action movie. 
You weren't even this highly strung after Predator. You weren't this highly strung after Big Trouble in Little China. We know what you thought of that. Predator made me laugh more. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) How many Kevin Bacons are you giving it? I think I'm still going to give it three. Three Kevin Bacons? I've given mostly everything three. Uh, Well, I think you I gave the Goonies three and a half. You you gave Goonies four. You gave Yeah, you gave Goonies four. I think you gave you were you were generous. You gave Goonies four. You gave uh, Karate Kid four. Did well. I? Yeah, you did. Oh, I don't know. You about gave that. Big Trouble in Little China three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this can't be. This can't be worse than that. Well, I mean, apparently. It depends what you're rating it out of. If I'm rating it out of ridiculousness, then it's not as high, no. All right, well. Because it's, 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 te- it's more sane and more believable a story <laughs> than Big Trouble in Little China. That was ridiculous. Okay. So, okay, I'll give it the same. Three and a half. Okay. Three and a half Kevin Bacons. I think that everything that we rate now should be out of Kevin Bacons. <laughs> just, just because... Because it's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and so we should just rate it out of Kevin Bacon's no matter what. Yeah, okay. Okay, so so you're originally a three. W- would you would you up it to three and a half for its referenceability? Yeah, I did. I did. It was a very sweet, nice story. And it didn't feel boring or long or drawn out. There was something okay. happening all the time to, to keep me interested. Um, it is a classic. And the acting for, from everyone was good. So, yeah, it, it was good was good but i just didn't enjoy it as much as the goonies that's all fair enough i don't think anyone would enjoy the anything as much as the goonies the goonies is is, is great yeah but i understand that it's the it might not be half high up on your john hughes because as we established ferris bueller's day off is like Very the perfect fun. perfect movie <laughs> yeah but i think this is safe to say that this has all of the qualities that make a john hughes movie great yeah but we want to know what you think of John Hughes movies. So, do you think that Planes, Trains and Automobiles is indeed a classic movie? And if not, why not? And if you have any other suggestions for films that we could watch to review on this podcast, do feel free to let us know if there's anything that you think could be considered a classic. On Twitter, I am at Drew Bridger. At Amber Inch. And until that point, was that your hand between two pillows? No. That's that's not two pillows.